I think it was probably something that had um, sort of sprung alive in my mind uh, from the past sort of month or so, actually, which is that, you know, at work at CityWire, we've been doing these events about mental health and well-being. And my conference producer, Jess, said, you know, how important it is in her work to give the platform to people who, um, you know, have something to say about it and can make a difference. Mm. And I think it's very easy when you feel down and you feel depressed and you feel worthless and you have low self-esteem as I have at various times in my life, mm. to feel like you can't make a difference. Yeah. And and that means that you don't realise that, that even the little things can help. That, yeah. and, um, and in the process, when you do them, they make you feel better too, because you feel like you're doing something positive. So I, in light of what you know she said, I kind of thought, well, I could probably do something that's with that. You know, I, could, yeah. I could take part in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome. And it's like, it's one of those things, because I, I went through therapy because I suffer from... Uh, uh, generalized anxiety disorder and I, I, I have uh, suffered for uh, a bit from, from depression and all that stuff and I and I, I've been to therapy I, I went to CBT and it's one of those things that they uh, they, they thought I, I, I was well enough to be discharged mm. but it's one of those things like stuff always comes back to me stuff always comes back to me and I and I'm like you it's like I don't want to sit still I don't want to just like you know and just like let this just overcome me so I want to kind of do something about it mm. and it's admirable because i've seen uh the stuff that you have been doing in the past month or so as well uh, and it's it's gathering up so much pace as well mm. uh it's just fantastic to see and uh, and it, for me as well from someone that's not in a financial industry or uh like uh, from that, that type of background uh I, I see that and it's like you know it's not just it's not just uh me or as a photographer that's suffering from it is people who are up in the chain as well like you know who are earning a lot of money or who are yeah. very successful they they do suffer from this from this stuff yeah. whatever they they have um but if i if i can go deeper down uh, into uh what so do you suffer from anxiety so you uh, suffer from self, uh, self-esteem and, yeah you, i'd say so i mean yeah. my there are there are various sort of segues and cul-de-sacs to kind of my mental health. But I'd say the sort of general picture is that I'm I'm pretty anxious person. Um, mm. I'm pretty hyper aware. Not not to the extent that it's a an ongoing clinical problem that requires you know major psychiatric intervention. Yeah. But um, I've been the pretty anxious person all my life, really. Yeah. Uh, there are other things too. You know, the, the experience side of it. I mean, there are specific events that yeah. that contribute to the picture. You know, so when I was uh, 15, my yeah. friend died cancer and uh, it was very traumatic yeah. it was on the day of a GCSE exam yeah. and those are kind of events in your adolescence where just at the point where you're starting to gain a little bit of independence a little bit of sense of what the world looks like the coming of age the coming of age <laughs> yeah. moment that everything is kind of rocked and shaken um, and other things happened that year actually it was a sort of pretty catastrophic year for me 2008 my you know my mum was arrested for drink driving yeah. and uh, I, I make no bones about the fact that I come from a pretty privileged background. I, I had kind of pretty um, pretty privileged upbringing, really. Um, I didn't want for anything as a kid. Yeah. Um, I lived in the countryside, so you know I wasn't subject to sort of high crime rates or noise or disruption, anything like that. Any of the things that could um, you know, reduce one's well-being, atmospherically speaking. Um, that was a really really hard thing in my life, and it, it challenged my notion of um, you know uh, who who I could trust. And uh, who was there for me, and who was abandoning me, and who was uh, fulfilling their duty in my life? That's an analysis I've since sort of superimposed over it with the help of therapy, and I wasn't really aware of it at the time, as you don't tend to be. 
Um, but those are things that have happened. And, it, you know, quite apart from all the other stuff that goes on in your adolescence, like, yeah. you know, I went to uni and I was an absolute mess for three years because yeah. I had no idea what was going on or what I was doing, <laughs> which I'm sure many listeners will empathize <laughs> with. But uh, the, bi the big one for me was, was 2017 mm. because I, I'd, I'd had this diagnosis of Crohn's disease and then cancer, Didn't which I did not know that didn't uh, yeah. you know which i which i had survived yeah, and, and uh come through and i decided with the help of work and my boss that i needed a year off yeah. and uh you know that seemed to me like that an absolute revelation that i could right. do this and that yeah. citywide you know very thankfully and, and i'm grateful for this still was going to facilitate that and mm. they said to me go away uh take some time off uh you don't owe us anything in that yeah. period so do as you wish and come back and we'll give you a job of some kind mm. similar to what you're doing now there will always be something for you to do so i i left the company at the end of 2016 um not exactly with my head held high but um you know with this sort of sense of, of hope and excitement yeah. that I was about to do something really cool and that yeah. thing was to go to germany and live with my uncle and to make an album of music that i've been you know working on since my you know early teenage years yeah. and stuff so that was sort of a project and the truth is mate that it all went wrong you know, really? it, it was it was a disaster you oh, know wow, okay. it was it was it was really really crap and um i was basically i was in a relationship at the time yeah. and uh that had been put through all of my illness and the other person's illness yeah. too because she'd had sort of uh, issues with her health too um and it had been really really stressful and, yeah. and it just so happened shock horror that yeah. running away from it all was not a great idea and that, I hadn't really dealt with the implications of all of that for my happiness and mm. my relationship with her. And I think deep down, I didn't really want to upset the apple cart having been through so much already. Yeah. And uh, it just created this tension in my, in my existence. And mm. I found myself very quickly sliding into this, you know, self-destructively depressed state okay, okay. where I was angry all the time, but not expressing it. I didn't know what I was feeling. I couldn't communicate to my family who I was living with because there were kids involved. It felt very, um, I felt very locked away and kind of trapped. I was under a lot of pressure from my family to make this sort of amazing musical project. Right. And, yeah. you know, as, not that this is the worst thing in the world, but as white middle class, uh, right. you know, successful, um, over ambitious guys tend to be, I was under pressure to, mm. to create something that was fantastic and brilliant. and. The truth is all I wanted to do was just was just chill and for everything to be okay. Yeah. And in that context it all fell apart because wow. I, I just I became suicidal. My gosh, and I, I flew home after six months because I just couldn't stand it anymore. Yeah. And so I, I left Germany, all my music, musical instruments, my gear, everything left behind and I went home to England and uh, moved briefly back in with my girlfriend at the time. And uh, but then her sort of housing uh, contract came to an end and yeah. I, I found myself you know not literally homeless yeah, yeah. I wasn't sleeping under a bridge but in a very despairing situation where yeah. I didn't have anywhere to live yeah. that I felt comfortable and I had no idea what to do and uh, so I moved in with my cousin yeah. my cousin took me in and I that was really the point at which I really started to see the severity of the situation yeah. and I think I pulled my head out of the sand just enough to get myself into therapy yeah. but uh, that was that was that was a really horrific time being in therapy and I went to Harley Street wow. for three months Great. you know every week I went there and it was just the worst experience I've ever had really? of, of therapy I, and I have had so many good experiences of therapy yeah. and it just yeah. so happened that it's, you know I wasn't ready I was so vulnerable 
I didn't know what was what. I was seeing things in a different way and interpreting things maliciously that were not at all. I felt yeah. as though they had no regard for me as an individual. I think, you know, I'm sure this is a pretty apolitical broadcast, but yeah. I think politically speaking, it, it opened my eyes from a position of relative naivety right, to right, right. the way in which vulnerable people can be handled in a in what is a, you know pretty much a private healthcare system. And I think I've since develop some shall we say quite strong opinions about the way in which people in the, in those situations are handled and can be handled mm. and um i don't view that with any any uh modicum of respect um i'll leave that one there <laughs> um but really going back to work was what kind yeah. of changed it almost you know i i felt so suppressed and sad and down and yeah. as i say suicidal you know i was suicidal for about six months okay. Where you know I woke up every day and I just wanted to die. I, I I woke up every day and I thought, I, I, I'm so upset that I have to keep going, and it was um. You know I still have the suicide note that I wrote wow. in Germany. I still have that. I actually found it the other day because I've just moved house, so it was, yeah. you know it was lumbered in with all my possessions and stuff. But going back to work was the saving grace. You know it was um it was a a, a genuine revelation and a, a real relief to know that. Um, you know, having been given the relief of of being let off from work yeah. for a year, that actually going back to work yeah. could be a similar, um, you know, purge of all these yeah. uh, terrible emotions. And it, what it did was, you know, just finally gave me my, gave me a platform to be confident again yeah. and to be sociable, to build new friendships and yeah. to to get back some of my self worth that I'd been so lacking. Right. right so right. that's really, you know, my that's my potted history really with the big the big one in 2019 yeah yeah so i mean like because around that time i'm guessing coming back into work it's like it made you quite uh, you you were busy with work and all that stuff so you kind of Mm. like uh you had your mind preoccupied with all that stuff does does that is that anxiety still can you explain to me like uh what how it lingers on the back of your head the back of your mind yeah so day to day i mean i think um when I came back to work, you know, I, I still experienced a lot of the day-to-day anxieties um, that, that, uh, that, I, that I would have done in the past. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and they include things like, you know, the classic kind of imposter syndrome. You know, am I meant to be here? Right. I'd very much inherited that from my time at university uh. at Oxford. Um, other things, you know, like my relationship with my colleagues. I've, I've always been aware that I'm... I'm quite a sort of flighty individual that I'm, you know, very passionate and, and quite intelligent, but I, I sometimes lack direction. And I think um, I've always felt very self-conscious about that relative to my colleagues. So I also know I'm very, very smart and, and um, you know, particularly, particularly my boss, um, because, you know, I am the sort of person that does need managing from time to time. And, and um, that's, you know, that's been really positive for me because I think it's allowed me to say that, you know, look, I am, I'm not, I'm not 100% perfect as much as I agonize over how much I want to be. Yeah. I need mentoring and I need direction. And I think probably that's led me to a broader re- reflection, which is that I've never really had that in my life. I've never yeah. never had a mentor to say, you know, to talk me through some of the situations that I've been in uh, on the level with a sort of sense of you and I are equal. Because yeah. yeah. um, my whole life has been based on these sort of hierarchies these yeah. sort of social hierarchies and I'm better than you and you know that might sound a bit sort of surprising and shocking but yeah. I, I very much think literally that those were the messages handed down to me as a kid you know that certain people were better than others that uh, to be a to be a professional to have a profession you know a lawyer a doctor was better 
than, than not um, yeah. to, to, to work with your brain as opposed to your hands was superior. Um, and I think gradually all of this has helped me to unravel some of those fallacies and to say that it's more important for me to be myself and to be an authentic version of myself, flawed as that may be. So you, you found that out by yourself in a way? So I think so. Yeah. Well, with the help in, in, in therapy, yeah. but it involves some, it involves, it wasn't pretty, it involves some pretty um, cutting expositions of my own prejudices. Mm. You know, I, I'm an agent in my own past too. And yeah. I think uh, one of the things I realized, for instance, was I had, I had an enormous chip on my shoulder about the fact that I, that I wasn't wealthier than I am that I wasn't that I didn't get to private school yeah. wasn't gifted all of these privileges that people higher up even higher up in the social hierarchy than yeah. me were and that's all completely rational because as you know I said earlier I'm I'm really really lucky guy to be where I am and to have had what I've had but you know some of those realizations that were deeply uncomfortable and it led me to think about you know who I actually want to be as a person and what I want to care about and direct my energies towards yeah. because the one of the biggest things I've learned through this is just how much of a waste you know, poor mental health can create. You know, I spent twenty-five thousand pounds on my year off. You know, and 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 I've heard similar stories from other journalists who've, who've had mental health problems, and the sorts of financial problems it's led them into. And uh, I could have spent that money on a house. I could have spent it on a deposit. I could have, you know, put it in my pension. I could have done so many other things. And and the truth is, pragmatically speaking, it's just not the way it worked out. And I can just about live with that. I think, but. It, you know, I feel sad that that was, uh, you know, a material waste. Quite apart from all the other ones, yeah, you know, yeah. quite apart from all the other wastes, yeah, like, yeah. you know, wastes of time and wastes of happiness yeah. and relationships and. Yeah. So, I mean, it must have been, it must have been, such, like, just a disappointment to be. Before you went, you were so excited. It feels like there's a, uh, there's a. There's a way out, of, a way out of it, whatever. And then to fight, to, to hit a brick wall whilst you're there, um, just brings you down even further. I mean, it's just, I, I, I went into, I, I did something similar to that as well. But it, it, like, fortunately for me, like, uh, it went well for me. Mm. Uh, and uh, it's just like, it's, I don't know. It's just like I feel, I feel, I feel guilty to even tell you that. You know, I mean, like it's like mm. that's with everything as well. Yeah. I think with um, with uh, how I uh, about what my um, my mental state is. I mean, I've got I've got I've got a beautiful wife at home. I've got a loving family. I grew up like you know uh, I grew up quite poor, but then we we managed to like you know work together as a family and see where we are now. And I'm very mm. very proud of it. Mm. And uh, I love what I'm doing. I'm getting paid for what I'm doing and all that stuff. But the thing is, in the back of my mind, I, I'm like, I don't deserve this. Mm. I feel, I feel like you said, like it's like an imposter syndrome. It's like I don't, yeah. I'm, I don't feel. Yeah. Why, 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 why is everything like this? Why is all this good stuff happening to me? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, it, it, even yeah. though I've got all these things, like, I feel terribly guilty for even thinking that. But I can't help but think that. Yeah. You know, so it's just... I think for me that's um, that's all to do with self sabotage, and mm -hmm. I think um, you know I I looking back I think so many of my behaviours as a younger person and as uh, you know a sort of floundering young adult um, have involved some form of self sabotage where you know based on your own insecurities, yeah, based on your own um, you know your own fear or your own um, 
just sense of, I mean, I wish there was a word for sort of lack of knowledge that wasn't the word ignorance, because I think ignorance is stigmatized. Yes, you know, that's absolutely. a sort of, I'm not going to self-stigmatize by saying I was ignorant, though yeah. I would say very clearly that I, I just lacked knowledge and I was really, really lost. And I think yeah. some of those situations, be they in relationships or academically mm. or with my family, mm. they just led me to self-sabotage because I didn't know where to go. And the only easy option seemed to be for things to go wrong. And uh, I was talking to a colleague of mine, Steve Chatterton, about this a couple of weeks ago at one of our events. And, and he said something really, really interesting to me, which was like, well, you know, you're moving out of your flat, Ollie, because you've had this falling out with, you know, your flatmates, which is true. Uh, and, uh, you know, th that's a really difficult thing for you. But maybe it's what you wanted. You know, maybe it happening is a result subconsciously somewhere deep down in your mind of that desire to escape that situation yeah. which you feel is really holding you back and that really had an effect on me because i thought you know how many right. situations have i been in in my life where i've had anxiety disorder or yeah. I've, I've been depressed and i've done shitty things as yeah. a result of it you know that weren't helpful to me long term yeah. and i've i've and i've then been depressed about them going forward afterwards because i've made mistakes or i've i've hurt people or i've said the wrong thing right. or I've spent too much money and right. i think that gives you a new lens to look at your life through and think, well, actually, maybe that's what my, that's, maybe that's what I wanted. And it's, um, you know, that's the sort of self-sabotage thing. It's the, it's the how deliberate is deliberate uh, mm. element that I'm still getting to the bottom of in therapy. I think I suffer from a lot. Yeah. You know, I've had various experiences in the last couple of weeks that suggest that's the case. So for me, going forward, it's, it's very much about sort of limiting that self-sabotage. Yeah. And I know it's really helpful to know that as destructive as that may be or could potentially be that many many of my colleagues have been through the same thing you know i've got close friends and colleagues that say to me you know oh this is i'm self-sabotaging I'm, I'm so the classic one is i'm i'm so out of my depth in a, in a situation that is so good i don't trust it and therefore i'm going to destroy it um yep. so I'm not sure if any of that makes sense. No, it like, does. It does. I mean, it's like it's quite. It's quite funny because every time I meet, uh, I sit down with my subjects, and uh, there's always you know, we 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 bring brought up differently or going through diff through different things. There's always something very, very kind of like uh, very familiar mm. with what with what you're going through, and mm. like I can definitely relate to it. And yeah. I think with uh, in order what with what you're doing at uh, at work as well, um, uh, bringing in this in. in, in bring this into light uh, it will help other people just, yeah. just by talking i hope so i think i you know i get a little bit of flack at work because i you know i spend a lot of time in front of the camera and i and i and i really enjoy that you know yeah, you, people yeah, say to me you know, like love the sound you do, of your yeah. voice which is not actually true i hate the sound <laughs> of my own voice but there, there's an element to this which is not at all you know self-promotional because you know this is this is the truth about me mm. you know people have asked me about my year off at work or in other situations right. and okay. i yeah. you know i've given them the the easy bit and it's yeah. not the truth and one of the biggest things i learned from from therapy is that you cannot hide the truth for that you know eventually it'll all come out and i think i'm very bad at communicating mm. truth in the sense of the way i feel about things i'm yeah, not very yeah. good at communicating my feelings yeah. someone pisses me off i find it very difficult to convey that because I think it's rude and I was uh, raised to be polite all uh, the time uh, uh, so and these are very simplistic infantile sort of emotional structures and uh, one of the things I've learned from that is that you know perhaps I'm a very emotionally intelligent person but I'm not very emotionally mature and I think there's a difference between those two things and I really really need to work on the latter and give the first one a bit of a break so. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
can yeah. you can you explain how different they are? Like, so, yeah, I'm so still, it's still quite new. This is quite new to me. Emotional intelligence to me is all about you know empathy. So you know it's um, you know when you when I saw um, you know your Instagram post about your mental health and your anxiety about doing photo shoots. You know, for me that's about thinking oh well when I do my photo shoot or my project with Adithio with him you know what can I do to put myself in his shoes to make it easier for him and that's a kind of that's a sort of basic emotional think, intelligence yeah, the yeah. ability to put yourself yeah. in someone else's shoes yeah. and see the world from their yeah. perspective emotional maturity though is completely different because you know if if you were t if if say hypothetically uh, Adithio I would have turned up late today uh, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hypothetically uh, and, and you would have turned to me and gone, do you know what, Ollie? I'm really fucking pissed off with you because uh, we agreed to meet at this time. And, uh, and do you know uh, what? That's that's kind of given me anxiety and uh, I'm really annoyed uh, about it. There's a high likelihood I yeah. would have burst into tears. And and for me, this is all about extremities because it's it's saying that emotional maturity is about finding balance. It's using your emotional intelligence to find balance in the world and not react to things in extreme ways, wow. either through self-sabotage or through, uh, shall we say, uh, extreme behavior. And that could be anything, you know, drug use, uh, alcohol wow. use, excessive spending, um, you know, excessive amount of time spent online, not enough sleep. Yeah. All of these things manifest themselves in different ways, but ultimately they're to do with the extremity. And, you know, emotional maturity means to me balance, you know, being able to see things in perspective and saying to myself, you know, oops, I've pissed the Ethio off. Mm. You know, I'm going to apologize to him, but I'm not going to let that ruin my life. You know, and, and as extreme as that may sound, that's entirely what those sorts of situations do for me. Yeah, I, you mean, know. I, I see that as uh, like I, I've learned and it's hard to put that into words, like because uh, I feel that sometimes I mean, it was so hard for me to put into words mm. so it, it's quite uh, enlightening for me <laughs> that there is a mm. that there is some sort of phrase for or word or like you know it, it's very very interesting and can i, I tell you about the deep dark conclusion though oh yes, which is please. you know so none of this stuff is pretty and i think often the conversation around mental health can become a bit trivialized and, mm. and romanticized and you know not with bad intentions at all but no, uh, you know the, the, the deep dark truth that i've learned from from this is that i really struggle with the idea of responsibility I can't handle it. I absolutely cannot handle it. And I, I'm not sure entirely why, but there have been various moments in my life that I've referred to already where people's responsibility to me has not been discharged, shall we say. And I have felt abandoned or let down or, or really hurt. And I've become, you know, more, more sort of uh, reclusive or I've taken myself off to one side and I've sort of severed emotional connections because I feel hurt and I don't want, you know, I don't want to risk further emotional investment. Um, and that for me, it's all about kind of responsibility because I think in those situations where I might self-sabotage or I might overreact emotionally to a situation, I'm basically communicating to that person that I want them to stop hurting me and, and that I don't want to take responsibility for my behavior. Yeah. And wow. uh, that's, you know, that, that's a very difficult conclusion for me to verbalize because it yeah. means the truth, which is that I'm not perfect, that I'm actually pretty shit with responsibility that I've spent a long time in my life in various situations avoiding it probably out of fear of what might happen if I invest myself fully uh, right. in something be it a project you know be it you know, so other say, people let's say if there is a project or other people how do you self-sabotage like you know how do you run away from that responsibility well you you know your your hostility and fear in my case towards responsibility manifests itself in the sorts of internally directed anxieties that might give me a panic attack and you know that might write me off from that project because I couldn't cope 
and it's not to say that you know every i'm not generalizing at all i think these things are all really specific but for me i know that's a that's a kind of deep dark truth about my experience of anxiety that i've reflected on you know quite a lot in the last uh, few months and it helps to give me a framework to understand why i might be feeling the way i feel when i have those really really bad days and uh it's just you know because people say oh you know you're such a such an emotionally intelligent person or you, you you know you're always thinking of other people and i think i think that's true i am thinking of other people and a lot of the time that's for a very good reason but you know sometimes in other situations it's actually because i'm looking for a way to distract myself from my own issues yeah. that i need to get on top of yeah. and that's uh that's one of the things so i went back into therapy on tuesday and that's uh, one of the things i'm going to explore that's great i'm glad to join that i mean like it's good that you're that you're grabbing him grabbing him by the neck and just kind of like you know i have I, this is my problem at the moment yeah. you're taking it step by step in a way I think that's that, that's probably the best way, uh, we all, with anyone that's uh, that's suffering from something like this. Anyway, I mean, yeah, I mean, like with me, uh, I there are situations where I I love to run away from things. Mm. Like even even though it, 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 no matter how big or no matter how small, I always uh, go back to the story as well. It's like one time when I was doing events, and when I do events at Citywire, uh, to tell you perfectly. Honestly, I hate it. Mm. I hate doing it because there's so many people. Mm. There's so many people, and it's just one of those things. Like I, it's overwhelming. It's it? overwhelming. Yeah, and it's like with me, it's like it's the the socialness of it. My, mm. And if I if I try to speak to someone, my speech my speech will slur up, mm. or I would sweat profusely. <laughs> and yeah. it's like I I I'm I'm in a, I'm in a complete state. Yeah. And uh, so one time I was doing an event, and uh, one of the guys I was speaking to, I mean, like it was a high and bias thing. We got back to the. We got back to London. We got back to Heathrow, and um, we're in the immigration line. Mm. So it's it's uh, it, it was quite busy. So you know the immigration line goes in a zigzag. Yeah. So every time you say if you say if you see the other person who's in front of me, we always cross paths, right? Mm. In the back of my mind, this is going to happen. I yeah. know this is going to happen. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I totally I'm talking about that. It's like, uh, and you're so, preparing for it. And I was preparing for it. Yeah, and yeah, at yeah. the end, like, you know, what? I'm. I'm I'm, I'm going to pretend that I didn't see him. I'm going yeah. to pretend I've done that. Pretend to read my book, even though I've got a book and I'm not even pretending. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not even reading. I'm pretending to read my book. I've whipped my phone out on occasions <laughs> to avoid that. It's one of those things. It's like, you know, and every time I, I'm sure I passed him like five times or so. Yeah. And I was like, oh gosh, this guy must think I'm an idiot or this guy must think I'm this, stalking that. Him, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I mean, like, the thing is, like, uh, I felt that that was, that was, that was my anxiety and that was my uh yeah my anxiety my depression that's taking over me that's that's winning yeah so this happened again to me uh very recently because that happened to me i think like three years ago mm. and another situation was very very recent a couple of months ago uh different guy the same event whatever and we got back to an, immig- an, Im- an immigration line uh in london and I was like, oh, shit, this is happening again. Mm. And I've only met this guy once. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Okay, do you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm just going to say hello. And, I'm gonna, and I said hello. We talked a little bit. And then when we crossed paths, we joked about uh, us crossing paths. Mm. And at the end, we'll say, we say goodbye. And I was like, oh, shit, that's, that's not hard. And I feel like oh, my, I just won this little battle of, yeah. with my anxiety. And yeah. it's one of those things, going back to your, like, um, uh, that step by step thing like that that is a step in itself 
Yeah. Like the, I, I feel like, okay, I can't, next time I do have the, the, what's it? The, yeah, the, next time I do have, um, that I can do this again. Yeah. You know? So yeah. like. It creates a sort of behavioral yeah, yeah. precedent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you can do right. it twice. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I, yeah. t- I totally, uh, <laughs> that's almost <laughs> too, familiar, fa- yeah? too familiar to, uh, for words, too familiar for words. I, I, I get that so often and uh, my, my thing is kind of similar, but I, so I have, an, I have a photographic memory pretty oh, much. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. if I've met someone, yeah, yeah. I can recognise them yeah. on the street and, yeah. and eerily so, I can probably recognise them from about 100 metres away. Oh, gosh, and certainly wow. people at work, you know, I can tell who's coming down the street a yeah. long, long way away, based on the shape of their silhouette, or the way that they walk. Fantastic. This is all going to sound very psychopathic, but somehow that's just the way that I work. And you know, at work, I've channeled it into positive, you know, constructive things for my job. In that, yeah. you know, I can spot a, a low-ranking minister, you know, uh, you know, on the other side of Parliament Square, and and approach them fully in the knowledge that I'm going to be able to get something out of them right. because they are who they say they are, uh, and they're obviously shocked to, that anyone knows who they are which is great for journalism because it gives them the quandary between putting their head above the parapet and potentially saying something wrong and someone finally recognizing who they are and putting their name in the paper. Um, but my thing is, my thing is like this sort of hyper awareness to, to people's existence. And, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, it's like I used as a kid, I used to lie in bed and I could always tell who's coming up the stairs based on the way that they walk. So my mum would walk with a sort of slow trudge. My brother would always jump up the stairs like a, you know, I don't know, like some sort of an ape swinging <laughs> between the trees. It'd be really loud and violent. My dad would be somewhere in between. And uh, that's just sort of, I've carried that with me throughout my whole life. And my memory is, um, you know, my memory is just as good. I can remember people. I can remember what I was wearing on, on certain days of my childhood. You know, I can go into the fine details. Wow. And it means that when, I'm, when I see someone that yeah. I know, and this happens to me a lot when I go home, actually, I see people I was at school with and I think, oh, I don't recognise you. You're a bit older. You've got a bit fatter and you've got some horrible tattoos and, uh, and far too many children. And, uh, and I see them and I think, I'm going to recognise you, but you are not going to recognise me. And I think deep down, that makes me really, really sad because it's like it, there's a spark in my brain that says, I could have an interaction here. Or maybe I should, because you're in that situation where you know someone and it's like, oh my God, we've got to interact. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, well, they're not going to know who I am because they're not going to remember, as, why, is, as is often the case. Why does that make you sad? Uh, probably because, I'd, I mean, this is, again, sort of deep, dark revelation, but just shooting from the hip. Yeah. You know, probably because I just really hoped that people would know who I am, which probably speaks to sort of broader self-centeredness, maybe a, a kind of egotism that isn't entirely realistic I mean, for the world we live in you know yeah i mean it's not so much as an egotistical thing i mean it, it, it does go uh go hand in hand with your with anxiety as well like, do i belong here do I, yeah do I, do absolutely I and i feel like that all the time at school you know when i go back to my old school town i i really feel the pangs of anxiety about my own uh, sense of self because I went to a comprehensive school, but I went to the top university in the country. You know, I'm middle class, but I'm not really rich. Yeah. You know, I um, you know, I've been through some pretty uh, wow. awful events in my life, but I, you know, I'm still here, and I wasn't killed, maimed, or mutilated by them. So, and I discussed this with my therapist in, on Harley Street. You know, mm. she identified this sort of this middleness, this undefined, vague middleness of not knowing who the hell I am. You know, am I really smart? You know, I'm quite smart, but I'm not the smartest of the bunch. You know, I'm not stupid, but I do stupid things. It's just everything is in the middle. And maybe, again, shooting from the hip, just giving you some like cursory 
uh, internal analysis. Maybe that's one of the causes for extremity, because maybe in my head, I see this sort of middle ground vagueness as lacking definition. And my brain is going, I want to create some definition, even if that means causing chaos. You know, and that might mean, I don't know, I'm not going to do this, but that might mean, well, I don't feel particular. you know, am I a really good journalist? Am I a really bad uh, journalist? Do uh, I work for someone notable? Do I not? Uh, I'm going to quit my job uh, and do something extreme uh, just to feel that sort of sense of, well, that is what it is, to yeah. feel that sense of certainty about yeah. an outcome or a situation. So, I mean, that again, shooting from the hip, but that's probably what that is as well. Quite the search for clarity. Yeah, that's, you know? that's really interesting. How you find that, that, that certainty that you're, you're thriving for that? I mean, maybe, maybe you're like, maybe you're like dating someone, and you're like, mm, I'm not sure whether we're a thing or yeah, not. And you, yeah. you know, there's actually the potential there for something really yeah, good. Yeah. And what you do is you self-sabotage. You yeah. sack it off, yeah. and you go out with the worst person in the world, <laughs> just for the sake of knowing that you're in a relationship. But it's actually terrible. I mean, I don't know if any of that sounds familiar very, to you or your very listeners. Familiar. But like, very that's familiar. exactly the sort of thing yeah. I'm talking about. So yeah. to join those dots between, you know, right. self-sabotage, clarity, certainty, and identity. So, <laughs> God, I think I've learned something. Yeah, I think I've, I've found the answer. Oh, God. That's good. I found the answer. It's in the middle of a council estate in Vauxhall. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. In fact, support social housing people. We need it more than ever. I mean, yeah. uh, gosh, like, no, it's very, just speaking to you, even, it's only half an hour. Uh, like, I've, I've learned a lot about you, and I've also learned a lot about myself as well. Like, um, it's, I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, again, it's like, by do, I'm, I'm sure that's with you as well when you chair these panels at, at, at events. And uh, again, people from different walks of life, they have, they, they have their own, they have their own uh, situation and you, mm. you learn from that. And, but you also take familiarity with that as well. Yeah. Like, and that, that's what's happening. Well, I don't know about your case, but with me as well, with you. Uh, it's, um, I, I, how, in a way, like some pe- most people, well, thankfully, I, I, I can try to adapt and try to embrace my anxiety by, by you know, like, again, like that, that story about the immigration line, I'm just going to tackle it. I'm just going to go yeah. full, full on. That, that's how I do it. Just come out, come out of my comfort zone. I want to know how you try to, to like, kind of not, not like, you know, self-sabotage, but is there how is I there, try and do yeah, it how to yeah. try and deal constructively? With it. Yeah, I think truth be told you know various occasions in my life i've done therapy and it's been pretty difficult i i do have the voice of a therapist now in the back of my head right. that's a little bit more rational sometimes yeah, yeah you know i think a really good example would be you know the events that we recently did on mental health obviously that was quite close to home for me yeah. because uh, it's about a topic that's very close to my heart and, and incredibly uh, relevant to me and at the time you know in the moment uh, but it was also part of the narrative ongoing in my life to do with responsibility and yeah. the truth is that you know i did my speaker training for citywire uh, in 2016 uh-huh. the park plaza ballroom uh, when i was really quite ill actually uh-huh. and i was working from home and i went in to do the training and it, it went really well uh-huh. and the consultant who was working with us said you know no further improvements this this will be really really good and uh, because i was ill and went away you know a, a considerable amount of time passed uh-huh. you know years and um you know the opportunity came up last year for me to say to Jess, my conference producer, I would like to present something. Yeah. And uh, in the back of my head, I knew, I knew in, in, because I'm really relatively intelligent, I knew that if I wanted to, I could have dodged that for years. 
Right. I could have dodged that. Yeah. I could have spent my whole life being theoretically good at speaking, according to some consultant who'd met me once and done a practice run in a ballroom with no people in it. And I thought to myself, and I thought to myself in the weeks leading up to the event, you know, this is your opportunity to break that cycle of evading responsibility and get in there and sort it out and to take responsibility for the consequences, good or bad. Now, it so happens that it was quite a high risk uh, topic to be talking about. You know, we weren't talking about convertible bonds or, (laughs) you know, securities or the financial crash. Topics I'm perfectly comfortable speaking about or chairing, but would have been nerve wracking enough in front of an audience. We were talking about the one topic that's like incredibly divisive and really, really personal to me and quite traumatic. Um, And I kind of thought to myself, well, you know, this is what it is. You've got to make this what it is. Take some responsibility. Get in there. Chair the events. Make it a success. Yeah. Because no one else is going to do that. Oh. And uh, I, that was a, perhaps a simpler example of where I've kind of coached myself okay. through a situation. I get frustrated sometimes because it normally takes me a little bit of time to coach myself through, you know, a few days to coach myself through a particular issue. But being a good self-coach is a skill I'm, you know, I'm trying to learn bit by bit. Um I think I find it frustrating sometimes that as you settle one issue, another one seems to emerge. Yeah, but yeah. that's unfortunately just the passage of time okay. and, and, and shit life, kind of happening in life. Yeah. Um, and I, I have a sort of a long running barometer of how, how okay I am. And I think I yeah. now know a little bit more about what the signs are of when I'm not okay. And what is but, that? Sorry. Well, it's interesting because we discussed it in, on the podcast uh, yeah. at NMA earlier this year, you know, the idea of mental health care packs, which oh. are this concept where employees can kind of voluntarily give their bosses or their line managers a bit of information about the sorts of behaviors that they may display yeah. if they're not doing well with a specific issue and yeah. and that really resonated with me because i'd started to amass this this short list of like various behaviors that i exhibit when i'm not having a good day uh. and um you know on an extreme level uh, when it's all literally gone to shit you yeah. know i'm in tears or i just can't cope or i'm having a panic attack yeah um you know, more day to day. And I'd say today was probably an example of that. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm doing 5.8 out of 10 okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel a bit silly. Yeah. I feel a little bit like, oh, everything, isn't everything funny? Yeah. And I know that when I'm in that kind of mood, perhaps everything isn't quite as I would have wanted it to be right. today. Um, you know, perhaps because I'm overcompensating because I know that deep down there's a few issues going on in the back of my head. Do you, you know? I'm guessing you overthink a lot of things as well. Oh, you? 100%. My girlfriend identified this in me straight away <laughs> straight away uh yeah no 100 and um and my friend you know i have a very good friend who's constantly telling me to stop overthinking things and i'm starting to learn and this is not going to be a linear line upwards you know it's not I, it's going to be very very up and down i'm starting to learn you know the self-coaching bit about overthinking stuff and at the moment that's going relatively well but i'm sure that events will produce some concoction of outcomes that maybe maybe in the next few weeks i don't have a good time with it and i'm overthinking yeah you know yeah, yeah. it's up and down how it's, do you coach yourself to not overthink then it's quite hard isn't it? i try and think about the facts <laughs> you know, think about the facts you know okay. the facts uh so <laughs> and that sounds like a quite nebulous answer but um <laughs> you know i i think about the facts i think so i'm trying to give you a, a raw example um uh, so I might be in a situation where I, you know, I notice that someone's behaved a little bit off with me or yeah. so I interpret. And I think, so I think two things to coach myself out of that. I think, you know, what are the facts? The facts are A, that they haven't said anything to me about it, which is their prerogative if it, if it is a problem. And it would be mine if it boot was on the other foot. Yeah. Uh, other facts might be, 
that there is a possibility that it could just be something else going on in their life that has nothing to do with me, uh, which is a fact. Possibility can be a fact. Mm. So that kind of counts. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a it's rammed in there, but that is a fact. Uh, a kind of, yeah, a square peg round hole, that one. But that is a fact, you know, that there are other possibilities. Yeah. That is a fact. Yeah. And then, then I try and do this other sort of conceptual thing where I, I, I imagine myself looking at the world from space. Oh. And, and I know that if I can't see the problem from space, then it's not big enough to worry about. <coughs> now, that isn't that isn't a catch-all because I still worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it helps so me to just visualize add, it in a way. You know, it, in the dish of anxiety, it is a sprinkling of sugar just to make things feel ever so slightly sweeter. Mm. In the same way that you know, antidepressants aren't the answer to everything, but I find that they just make everything a tiny bit easier day to day. Did you take that? I do, yeah. I take sertraline. Sertraline? Yeah. The first five, six weeks of which were absolute hell. And how long ago did you start? Uh, January. January? Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, that was a a big leap for me to go back on them. And it was a a truly horrendous sort of five, six weeks. So So what was happening in those five, six weeks? How honest do you want me to be? So, I I mean, I've been on antidepressants. I've been on antidepressants before. Mm. And um, I've, I've found, generally speaking, that I get a lot of, I get a lot of the vast majority of the side effects, which... Uh, you know, include low mood, shock horror, yeah. uh, you know, uh, suicidal thoughts, mm. uh, poor sleep. Mm. Uh, that was a real issue for me this time around. Uh, your libido's decreased. Uh, you feel more distant from other people, which makes sort of relationships, physical, emotional, otherwise, really difficult. Um, it increased increase my level of anxiety, you know, tenfold. And I think my blood pressure probably went up because I wow. found myself very close on several occasions at this sort of constant level of near panic. You know, just yeah, as you're about, yeah. it's sort of like being on a cliff. Yeah, on the cliff yeah, edge. yeah, yeah. So yeah. that that was sort of um, that was a very, <coughs> excuse me, that was a very present part of my life for about five or six weeks. And yeah. you know, zoom back in and look at the world from space. Yeah, yeah. You know, five six weeks is not a long time, but when you're going through that kind of experience and you're waiting for these drugs to bed in and to feel a little oh, bit calmer, yeah. that is a long time. That is a long. That time. is a long, long time to wait and wait. And I just had to tell myself, be patient. I went back to the doctors, you know, just to check in and say, you know, look, this isn't going well. (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, that raised that um, raised another sort of thing for me, which is that I, for my flaws, I know that I'm not a quitter. You know, I'm absolutely stubborn AF, and I, I know when I've struggled long enough with something to make quitting an inefficient waste of my time and energy and resources. So that's why I'm still on them because I can see that. You know, I'd gone so far and there was no point turning back and starting that journey again, mm. um, potentially with the same or worse consequences. So, wow. Sertraline for me seems to work a little bit better at the yeah. moment than phloxetine, uh-huh. which is what I'm on, which I was on for years at university. <coughs> um, and interestingly, you know, like in terms of like the timeline coinciding with leaving or going back to work, mm. I actually quit. So I actually quit phloxetine uh, in Germany after I graduated just before I started my job. So I came back, I came, I started work as a graduate, my first ever graduate job, having just come off that drug and feeling like I'd made a real achievement in my life. And, um, you know, knowing probably that it was going to be some time in, coming down the road where I might have to, you know, reconsider taking them again. And yeah. lo and behold, that was, um, that was the case. But, um, yeah, there's very. It's interesting. It's like when you describe the timeline to yourself or yeah. to someone else, you see various consistencies in when events start to happen. Right. And I think that probably feeds into my 
my greater self-awareness about you know knowing the signs mm. you know knowing the signs mm. one of the signs is that it's winter <laughs> don't like winter um make no bones about that i really struggle in winter Jeez. i hate it absolutely hate it the, the, the mood the, the darkness feel, christmas the mood, is coming whatever the cold. when i was 17 i we were snowed in the winter of 2010 uh, it was the worst winter i've ever had yeah. and um ended up locked in my house for two weeks Fucking applying hell. for universities and doing my a-levels and stuff and it was just the worst and i think i probably had something to do with winter before then but that absolutely took me over the edge i've never <coughs> i've never ever had a single love affair with winter ever since <laughs> I enjoy being out in the snow and yeah. it's nice, you know, nowadays you can go for a walk with your girlfriend in the snow or go yeah. sledging and have fun, but overall the the darkness, <laughs> the you know, the early morning darkness, the rain. It's but just it's, horrible. It's quite interesting. I love the winter. Do you? I love the uh, early That's morning so darkness. Interesting. I love it. I mean I love it when it comes uh, when it goes dark at night. It's just the feel of it as well, more than summer. Mm. More than summer. I mean I love the summer. That's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's like, I think it's like, I like being, I like being like, just like some, you know, in winter you have nice coats. I, 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 I've got loads of coats. I feel good about yeah. myself as well. In I the get summer, that. In the summer, I feel kind of like, oh gosh, uh, I, I feel I feel a bit overwhelmed. <laughs> People can look at me. I sweat a yeah. lot, whatever. <laughs> and, yeah. and I can't hide that. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's different to summer in the West. So. I get the, the thing with winter is there's that sort of closed off Protectionism, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, yeah, you yeah. can get snuggled off and warm yeah. in your warmest pajamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel, I, I feel comfortable. I mean, my <laughs> it's just a crippling blow of ripping back the duvet at eight o'clock on a Monday morning and knowing that you're already freezing. Um, it was quite funny. One time, one winter, I went like a week without heat, which is shit. Oh my we god! We had to get like you know uh, radiators out. Water was wasn't working that much. <coughs> was it frozen? It, it was frozen. Yeah, the pipes were frozen. I had to, uh, I had to like, uh, what's it? shower at my mum's house and all that stuff. It was, just, yeah. it was just long. But yeah, anyway, going back to this shit. <laughs> uh, it's, I think the only one, the only thing I like to say is it's like, do you, do you feel hopeful in the future? Do you feel like... Oh, that's a really good question. I, I would describe myself as a pessimist. Really? I, I am a pessimist. Fucking hell. <laughs> Deep down. Never, yeah. never, never, I would never. I'm a pessimist. A pessimist. Wow. I'm a, a, a serious pessimist. Uh, I tend to be quite cynical right, when I'm right. at my worst. Um, I think, you know, relative to where I was at the beginning of January yeah. 2018 and, and you know throughout the end of 2017, yeah. I, I probably do feel a lot more hope. Um, I think at that time, I I genuinely felt as though life was pointless. I had a very strong visceral sense that life, there was no point to living because it was just suffering and suffering. And, you know, being sort of politically aware too really fed into that. Like, I have a huge anxiety about macroeconomics, you know, where the planet's going, the environment. That all feeds in (laughs) and fed my kind of, my conclusion that life was pointless, you know. And um, I won't lie, you know, I think I've, (laughs) <laughs> the crutch I found for that problem is just trying not to think about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and for me, that means just staying as busy as I can. Yeah. You know, that I, I haven't found a solution to that. I find, um, you know, I find hope in, in situations that I create that are good. And when I've created a good situation, I've done a good job, but I can see objectively that I've, that I've done that. That gives me hope. Fantastic. And I do have an inner core. I do have, this is something I've explored in therapy. I mm. do have an inner core confidence, you know, I have an inner core confidence and a, 
and knowledge that I could make something of myself and achieve my dreams. Um, but it's um, it's hard. It's hard sometimes. Thank you.